0: No one's perfect, even if we secretly believe they are. So if you've been struggling and failing to keep it all together, you're in good company. Women today are pushing harder than ever to do it all and break through their personal limits. But what if we're pushing in the wrong direction? Join a growing movement of women exploring their boundaries as opportunities. Be empowered by their experiences to create a best life that reflects your expectations and no one else's. If you're ready for a different kind of podcast, then you've arrived. Welcome to Woman of Valor. So this episode really informed me of things that I had absolutely no idea about, but thought that I knew everything about. When it comes to genetics, I am apparently a complete novice. And having a discussion about genetic testing with my guest, Sc Rose, really empowered me. It frightened me. I'll be honest, it frightened me, but it also empowered me. And I think one of the main takeaways from this week's episode is knowledge is power. And the second thing is, I'm sure many of us have heard and learned things about genetic testing just briefly at one period or another in our lives, but I'm pretty sure the information in this episode is going to be different than what you have heard before. Hi, Esty. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and one thing that you love about yourself. So hi, I'm Esty Rose, and I am a genetic
1: counselor for JScreen. What I love about myself is that I was able to take a passion of mine, which is genetics, and to bring it to my community, to my Jewish community. So I don't just do Things that I'm interested in. I do things that I'm interested in with people that I love and people that I care about.
0: So what is the concept of genetics and then tied into genetic testing? I've heard of genetic testing. I've done some sort of genetic testing in my past. Um, but it seems like it's much more complicated than uh, than than I thought. So can yeah, you so there a are, bit? good question? So there's a lot of uh
1: different types of genetic testing out there so there is genetic testing related to having children and pregnancy there is genetic testing related to children that might have developmental delays or other symptoms that we think might be associated with a genetic disease um, there is genetic testing related to cancer and other adult onset conditions um, there is a lot of direct to consumer genetic testing out on the market now that has ancestry testing um, other you know, interesting recreational genetic things. So genetic testing is a very broad term. Um, At JSCREEN, where I work, we focus only right now on reproductive carrier screening, which is testing couples before they have children to see if they're carriers for conditions that can affect their kids. So carriers for these conditions generally don't have any symptoms. So they have no idea that they're carriers. And the only way to find out that they're a carrier is to do genetic testing and to find out that way Or, unfortunately, to find out the hard way by having a child who's actually affected with the condition. So we want to catch it earlier before that happens. And that's why we recommend that anybody who's planning on having children
0: does this kind of genetic testing before they get to that point of having children. So if it's we know it should be before they want to have children, but when would somebody ideally do this sort of genetic testing? So that's a good question and it really depends on
1: who they are and what their dating life is like and socially what's acceptable. So it's a it's a the broad term, the broad answer that I always give to that is do it before a pregnancy. For some people that means before a first date, for other people that means after a couple of dates. Some people wait till the day that before they get engaged and do it then and some people wait till after they get married and you know when they're actually thinking about getting serious and having kids, then they'll do their testing. I believe that any time before pregnancy is a good time, but exactly when really
0: depends on, you know, socially what what it's like in their dating world. And is it more important for a specific demographic of people to have these sort of tests done?
1: No. So it used to be believed that only people who are Ashkenazi should
0: get tested
1: because everybody's heard of Tay-Sachs disease and Gaucher. Right, that one, yeah. Yeah. So people used to think that only Ashkenazi people need to get tested. But we've actually learned that that's not true. Um, there are conditions that affect people who are Sardi and who are Mizrahi, and there are also conditions that just affect general population. You know, people who are Caucasian, and those conditions are really important for people to get tested as well. So it's no longer an Ashkenazi problem. Every single person who's considering having a child should
0: get tested. And many of these tests that you do. Um with these genes, or I don't I don't know how this works. I don't science. But um, what are these um, diseases fatal? Or are they just very critical? Um, so many,
1: good question. So many of the conditions that we're testing for are very, very serious. So when we decide which diseases to test for, we have pretty strict criteria about what to include on our testing panels and what not to include. Um, So some of the criteria are, is this condition very serious in a child? Or is this condition very common in people? So if it's a one in a million disease, we're not testing for it. But if it's common, like Tay-Sachs, for example, one in 30 Ashkenazis is a carrier. That's really common. So because of the severity of Tay-Sachs disease and because of how common it is, we really think that there's a high chance for people to have a baby with this condition if they're Ashkenazi. And that's why we want to nip it in the bud before pregnancy. So those are the two main criteria when we're deciding what people should get tested for. Um, Every genetic testing program and lab might be a little bit different than another one. So most places are not exactly the same in which diseases they recommend testing for. Um, But at JSCREEN, we recommend testing for over 220 conditions that fulfill
0: those criteria. why I know that you, what you guys do is you give people the results um, of the test, which was not common um, when I um, did my kind of genetic testing. Why do you, why do you do that? So I believe that genetic test results are just like any other medical test that
1: you do. So if you go to the doctor and they check your cholesterol, the doctor tells you if your cholesterol is normal or if it's high, right? And then they recommend things for you to do about it if it's abnormal. I believe that genetics is exactly the same, right? You're, you're doing a test on yourself. It's about your own health. It, wouldn't it make sense for you to get your results, right? It's, to me, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like people should have access to their medical information and they should know what to do with it. And if you know what you're a carrier for, you can also inform family members and, you know, urge them to get tested if there's something running in the family. So it's good for yourself, but I also think it's good because it helps you spread the information within the family and that might help other people get tested and, you know, become informed about the importance of testing.
0: I think one of the things we need to um, work on is in my head, I'm thinking like if I received a document or a file of what I'm a carrier for, um, I, my first gut reaction would be like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And that's exactly why genetic counseling is really
1: important. It's a very important component of the whole testing process. So I believe that people should not just get tested and then get a document in the mail or get an email. I think that they need to speak to somebody over the phone or in person um, who can explain what the results mean and who can review what the next steps would be. So just receiving a document I don't think is good enough because people might not correctly understand what it means. They might panic about something that doesn't really you know, need to be panicked about. Um, and that's why I believe that genetic counseling, obviously I'm saying this because I'm a genetic counselor, but I, I really honestly truly believe that the genetic counseling component of the testing process is very, very important. That's what we're here for. We're here to educate people and to explain to people what their results mean. And also, I think it's important for people in the community to understand how important this is and to not try to bypass that step of the genetic testing process.
0: Okay, I have a few more questions about this. They're just popping up in my head. Yeah, <laughs> good. Arguments that someone may have against this. Um, right. I'm, I'm very for the concept of genetic testing and I think that knowledge is power and you have to do your due diligence. And um, at the same time, uh, there are a lot of defensive, uh, questions bubbling up in my head. So one of them being why go and test for something. If, if, if you don't know about it, then maybe there's room for God to be like, okay, well it's not going to happen in your kid. What if, what if ignorance is bliss and leaves room for miracles? Yeah,
1: we're getting very philosophical here. Um, So miracles definitely do happen. And there are a lot of carrier couples who have tons of kids who never have the condition, you know, who are lucky. And even though something devastating could have happened, it didn't happen to them. Okay. You think about- So it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. So when you have a carrier couple for the conditions that we're testing for, they're called recessive conditions. That would mean that every time there's a pregnancy between that couple, there'd be a 25% chance or a one, one in four- each kid
0: to I'm Good job. I don't um, science, but I'm You were asked.
1: listening with the Punnett Squares. Yeah uh, but yeah so every pregnancy would have a 25% chance of being affected. So each pregnancy by the way is totally independent of any other pregnancy. So it doesn't mean that a carrier couple who has four kids would have one affected kid and three unaffected kids. It's totally independent per pregnancy. So you could potentially have a carrier couple who has six or seven kids and they were just lucky that it's never impacted their family. But you can also have a carrier couple who has five or six kids where all of them have the condition. And then obviously there's everything in between where some have and some who don't have it. So yes, you're right that sometimes we are lucky and God does do miracles and it doesn't always impact people. But I I'm seeing the other side of that, right? Because I'm seeing people who are in need of help, people who have children who are affected or who have nieces or nephews who are affected, and they're coming to us because they want to make sure that they themselves and that their family members don't have to Deal with it in the future. So yes, things are happening all the time, and we're not noticing them, and we don't see everything that's going on. Right, but it doesn't always work out that way, unfortunately.
0: Right. So if somebody has the knowledge, then it's up to them to make the decision of if that, you know, twenty-five percent chance is something that they're willing to take um, or not. And obviously, they would have to consult with somebody who is, you know, more knowledgeable, uh, possibly in, you know the field of, uh, Torah things. Um, mm-hmm. so yes, that's something very clear here too. Uh, ask your yeah, we, rabbi. <laughs> yeah. So Barry, that's something that we talk to our patients about,
1: especially our Orthodox patients. We understand that the rabbi is usually a big part of these decisions, um, in the Orthodox community. And we encourage our carrier couples to talk to their rabbis about it and we will even offer to be part of the conversation if they want us to be because Genetic diseases is a very case by case issue. So some diseases are much more severe than others. And you might have one postache saying something for one disease, but a totally different thump- sock for a different disease. So it's a very, very case by case thing. It depends on how far along a pregnancy is. It depends on, you know, so many different things uh, socially with a couple. So it's not just a yes or no when it comes to any um, halacha regarding any of this reproductive genetic stuff, it's really case by case. And that's why we encourage all of our patients to speak with a rabbi that they trust, and especially a rabbi who is knowledgeable in genetics. So a lot of rabbis know a lot of things about a lot of areas of halacha, but there are some rabbis who specialize in certain things. So you have rabbis who specialize in kashrut, So you have rabbis who specialize in tawar or whatever it is Right. Same with genetics. There are rabbis who specialize in medical halacha and I always recommend that if those rabbis are available that our carrier couple speak to those rabbis because they really understand it and they really know it and a lot of them are coming back to us and asking us questions which I think is wonderful you know they're doing their homework before they're making any big decisions um, or recommendations for their the people that they're counseling which I think is wonderful so I am very very open to involving the rabbi in the discussion and I'm happy to be part of the conversation too
0: what if somebody gets their results and it says, you know, that they are a carrier for, let's say, Tay Sachs, for example? How can somebody, number one, not beat themselves up and feel like they are defective? Because that might be something, having that knowledge with an already insecure um dating world. I'm pretty passionate about how um unprioritized, like the the values are not there in the right way in the dating world. But then if somebody, you know, especially a girl, I'm sorry, like it's unequal, especially a girl. If she finds out that she's a carrier, like how does she go about having the discussion or how does she go about not feeling like she's defective or anything like that? Because if somebody knows that they might, you know, potentially mess up their chances of getting a date or meeting a guy or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. And I think that a big part of solving this problem is outreach and education within the community. So exactly what you're doing right now by putting this on your podcast, I think is wonderful because you're helping to spread the word about how being a carrier for these conditions means nothing about you. It means nothing about your own health. It means nothing about whether you're going to be a good wife or a mother. It has nothing to do with that. All it means is that you're a carrier for a condition. And to normalize that, because we're all carriers for things. You know, we're testing for so many conditions, and they're all so common, that over 80% of our patients is going to be a carrier for at least one thing that we're testing for. That's like really high, right? So we're all carriers for things. It's no big deal. It doesn't mean you have a genetic disease. It doesn't mean you're going to be a bad wife. All it means is that we recommend that your boyfriend or that your fiance or whoever it is gets tested. That's really all it means. So it's up to us and you know, influencers in the community like rabbis and people like you to spread the word about how it really doesn't mean anything and it's just another thing to check off when you're in the dating world. So just like you know, a, an engaged couple might go to Bed Bath & Beyond and do their wedding registry, this is another thing that they should check off before they're standing under the chuppah. Um, And many rabbis, actually, nowadays, won't even agree to be Masad or at a wedding unless they're sure that the couple has been tested before. So it really is on a lot of people's checklists, and it doesn't need to become this whole big deal and this whole stigma in the community. It really doesn't mean anything about you as a person, and it really should not affect your dating life at all. So I, I thank you for having me on the show because you're helping me spread the word about how it's really not a big deal. Um, but it, it's up to all of us to to recognize that it, it really doesn't mean anything. It's just another thing you have to do.
0: Can you get a little bit more uh, scientific about um, the genes and the genetics and things like that? Because I think also just knowing and understanding might like calm our concerns. Yeah. Because like, knowledge is power and it can it can empower you and and enable you to make the best decisions. But like, if you kind of know a little bit, you're like, oh, genetic testing is important and this and that, but like how it works or anything like that, can you give us a little bit of an understanding of how it works, which might reassure us about, you know, how it's not that, like it shouldn't identify you as a person and it doesn't make you any less of a person.
1: Yeah, so just to be clear, there are many different genetic diseases out there. Um, we're limiting our testing to reproductive carrier screening. So the conditions that we're testing for, most of the conditions that we're testing for are recessive. So a recessive condition happens when both the mother and the father are carriers of that condition and they both pass it down to a child. Like I mentioned before, carriers don't have any symptoms so we have no way of knowing that they're a carrier. So that's why to be a carrier for a recessive disease doesn't really identify you as anything. It just means that you're a carrier and it really has nothing to do with anything else. However, there are other types of genetic diseases that knowing that you're positive could actually mean more than that. Um, so some diseases are uh, dominant diseases. So like, for example, BRCA. Have you heard of BRCA before? The breast cancer gene? Yes. Yeah, so that gene is, um, or mutations in that gene are commonly found in people who are Ashkenazi. So it's kind of a hot topic also in the Jewish world. Um, if somebody has a mutation, if they're a carrier for it, it's different than Tay-Sachs and these other recessive conditions that J-Screen is testing for, in that being a carrier actually does
0: affect your health. So right. being a carrier- A of mine wrote an article about that. She said yeah. that she found out that her first cousin um, had- um, the gene and 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 was diagnosed with breast cancer and because of that she went and got tested herself and then with the consultation of a rabbi and all these things she she managed she decided to do like preventative um steps in order to Mm -hmm. prevent from her like having to god forbid go through chemotherapy and and all of those things she did all the right things. So it doesn't always work out that way. So I'm happy that she was able to figure
1: things out before a problem occurred, but you see how it's different there. So because she's a carrier for a BRCA mutation, she herself is at risk for medical problems. Right. So it's it's a different category than the tay testing and all this carrier screening for, for babies because that information, knowing that you're positive for BRCA or something similar to that really does impact you. And it in the shut off world, I understand that that's that could be important, you know, to a couple when they're thinking about getting engaged or or whatever they're thinking about. That kind of genetic information is a little bit different, and it's a little bit more sensitive, or it should be a little bit more sensitive than carrier screening for diseases like Tay-Sachs disease. So, right. I think we just need to let the wor- let the world know that there are different types of genetic diseases. Some are do require you know more lengthy conversations about risks and what does this mean for the person? What does this mean for their children? But these conditions, the one that we're testing for at screen those kind of conversations don't really have to happen for people who test positive because they don't have any issues themselves.
0: Okay, and it's, it's just something that's just floating around in there. Like, why do we have um, so many diseases? Is it because all the Jews are marrying each other?
1: That's um, one of the reasons. Yeah, that's a good question. So that's one of the reasons we tend to marry within ourselves. Um, another reason has to do with Jewish history. So imagine that you know many years ago in a shtetl somewhere in Kiev or wherever, um, you had one person or a couple of people who were tay carriers. Then, because of pogroms or because of the Holocaust or because of the Spanish Inquisition or whatever it was that has happened in our past, that community got a lot smaller, right? And then eventually over the course of years, we're really good at overcoming those kind of terrible situations and we regrow many times, it's happened in the past. So there's a smaller dating pool. Yeah, (laughs) so that that guy or those few people who were Tay-Sachs carriers, if they made it through the pogroms or the Holocaust or whatever, they start procreating and having more kids. So now it's much more common in the larger community to be a Tay-Sachs carrier because it's the people who were Tay-Sachs carriers that are expanding and having more kids. So it's called the founder effect. So basically, because of the history of the people where we had a shrinkage of the community and then it grew again and then shrunk again and then it grew again, if we have carriers who are making it through those historical events and then continuing to have kids, it will become more common to be a carrier. By the way, it's not just the Jewish people who have have problems, yes, we have a lot, but you see similar things in other ethnicities too. So people who are African-American tend to be carriers for a condition called sickle cell disease for the same reason. And people who are um, Mediterranean are carriers for a condition called thalassemia. So it's not just people who are Jewish, Um, other ethnicities also have similar issues that they have to deal with happens to be that we have a lot more to deal with. Um, But I think that that's why it's important that organizations like JSCREEN and other organizations exist because we're, you know, a great resource for the community. And we really are preventing these diseases from happening because organizations like this exist and because it's become so normal to test that we all know it's just like a thing that you do before you have kids. It's not like that in those other communities. And that's why you see many more of those conditions because there aren't Organizations that are going out into the communities, spreading the word about the importance of testing. Um, You know, they say that nowadays, if a baby is going to be born with Tay Sachs, usually it's not a Jewish baby because the Jewish community has such a good handle on this, and they know the importance of getting tested. But in other communities where Tay Sachs is not as common, they don't get tested before they start having kids, and those are the babies who are born with Tay Sachs. It's those from communities where it's not a thing to get tested. In our community, we've come a really long way, and pretty much any Person who's getting married nowadays, especially in the Orthodox community, knows that this is something that they need to take care of. So we've come a really long way, and we see such a decrease in the number of Jewish genetic diseases because of carrier screening. So it's exciting to see
0: those numbers go down. Okay, a few things. First, the Mediterranean disease sounds so Mediterranean and like exotic. (laughs) I was like, oh, of course. Like that. You don't want to have that one. It's actually really bad. (laughs) No, but it just like it it, like matches the vibe. Um, Second, I wanted to say that I feel like there are many institutions, like you mentioned with the Masada Kedushin, the person who officiates the marriage, um, who makes sure that that this is done. There are a lot of um, institutions that encourage um, uh, testing to be done even, you know, upon graduating high school or Mm -hmm. um, in college before um, the idea of No, not the idea of marriage. The idea of marriage is instilled from like utero, but um, the 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 probability of you know dating and meeting someone it's it's done before. So I totally hear like having the knowledge. um, I think people are many people are proactive. I do think more people need to be more proactive. Um, But yeah, I do appreciate the fact that there are institutions that are encouraging um, people to. Uh, test. Yeah, you'll see it a lot on
1: campus. Like you'll see a lot of hillels and chabad's on campuses all around the country. They love having us and hosting us because this is a great time in people's lives to, to reach people. Who knows where they're going to be when they graduate? You know, like maybe they'll end up in a place where there aren't a lot of Jews and it will never cross their mind or right? they won't be connected to a rabbi. So we, we really like actually screening people in that stage of life because we're catching them before we miss them. Um, the high school thing we're not as excited about. Um, we do require that all of our patients are at least 18 years old. Um, so, in the Ashkenazi community, it's not as common as for an 18 year old to get engaged in the more Sparty community right. more often. Um, but, you know, I think if somebody's getting married, even if they're 18 or less, they, they should get tested. Um, but yeah, I think the earlier we catch a couple, the better. So that they, or a person that's, who's single, uh, the better. Just so that we get that idea in their head and at least give them baseline testing, because it's better to test them now than for them to forget about us when they're actually getting serious about having kids.
0: I feel like that's so tough if people are actually already so so far ahead in their relationship and then decide to do the testing.
1: Yeah. Listen, it's most of the time we give people good news. I think that's a really important thing to stress. Okay, yeah, yeah, please, 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 yeah. um, elaborate on that because yeah. yeah. most people are not at risk to have babies with genetic diseases. Okay? okay, so most of the time, yes, people test positive, but having a carrier couple is not as common. So, okay, we really give people good news. So, that's number one. Number two is that when we do give people not such good news, that's what we're here for. We're here to talk them through it and to tell them what their options are moving forward, um, either in the relationship if they're not already committed to each other, or if they're already committed to each other, how do they go about having their children in a you know, responsible and healthy way? So... My job as a genetic counselor is to go through those options with these high-risk couples. Again, I don't have so many high-risk couples, but when I do, yes, I talk to them for a half an hour, for an hour, and I talk to them about their options, and each couple is a totally unique conversation. You know, the conversation with one couple is totally different than it is with somebody else because it depends on what the disease is. It depends on where they are in a relationship. It depends on their financial resources. It depends on their ethical and religious convictions. You know, like there's so many... Things that all come together in order for a couple to make a decision about how to proceed, um, and that's that's what we're here for. Which is why, again, I'm going to push the genetic counseling component of all of this, and I think it's really important that people speak to somebody and like sit down with them, go through their concerns, and talk through what the decision is. And all of our genetic counselors um, are very sensitive to all of these issues and we've seen it all and we just want to help the couple make the right decision for themselves. We're never going to push one, one option over another. Um, it's, it's
0: up to the couple to make the decision. We're
1: just there to support them.
0: I do find it very comforting that your answer isn't this blanket like, oh, well, if we find out that they're both carriers for something, then they just have to get divorced. Or well, that's what they used to say, actually, Barry, in the
1: 70s, when they started with the Tay-Sachs testing, at that time, all they knew was Tay-Sachs, they would tell them, if you're a carrier couple, don't get married, because there's nothing you could do about it. So you're rolling the dice every time you get pregnant. Nowadays, many, many years later, we have so many amazing technologies available to us that we do give them more options. We're so lucky that we're able to get those, those options, and we no longer um, recommend that carrier couples don't have kids together.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I really didn't know that, and I think that that's important to say. Can you please say that again? Sure. If somebody was, like, listening or, like, slash like making Shabbos or, like, driving, and they're not listening, like, listen, people. Listen now. There this is important. Options.
1: Yeah, so there are options for carrier couples. We no longer counsel people that they have to break up or not have kids. Nowadays, we go through a whole list of options and we help the couples decide what makes the most sense for them.
0: Okay. My mind's blown because that's amazing. Do you want to hear about some of the options? Uh, yes, please. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. So,
1: okay. 70s, like I said, most of these options didn't really exist. So we've come a really long way and I'm very, you know, fortunate that I can tell you about all these options. So, um, one option that's probably the most popular amongst our Orthodox couples um, is to use reproductive technology such as IVF. Um, IVF is short for in vitro fertilization. So you might've heard of IVF before because some couples who have trouble conceiving uh, might undergo IVF, so it could be a fertility related thing. But what I'm suggesting here is to use IVF for a totally different reason. So what I mean is that the male gives a sperm sample, the female gives an egg sample, outside the body. So they, in the lab, they each give the samples and they make an embryo out of those two samples. And then before they implant that embryo into the woman's uterus, they can actually take out one of the cells of the embryo. And test it? Yeah, they can do genetic oh. testing on it. Wow. It's the coolest thing ever. So if they see that the embryo is not affected with the condition, 75% chance, then they'll take it and they'll implant it into the woman's body. And hopefully that will result in a normal pregnancy. Not always, but hopefully it will take and it will become a pregnancy. Um, if they see that the embryo is affected, one in four chance, then they just discard it and it never becomes a fetus. It never becomes a baby. So it's a way of avoiding getting pregnant at all with a baby that's going to have the genetic condition.
0: And is this something that, that, uh, that some rabbis do recommend? So I will say in my experience of all the things, which I haven't mentioned all the other ones yet, but of all
1: of the options, this is probably the best one according to most rabbinic authorities. Okay. Because, yeah, and you'll see why later because I'll talk about the other ones, but having to do with um, maternity, that could be a problem. So for example, another option will be to use an egg donor or sperm donor who's not a carrier for the condition. So that Using a donor parent. That could have a
0: lot more questions. A lot of,
1: yeah, there could be a lot of implications. So, that will be another option we talked to couples about. Um, another option that we talked to couples about is getting pregnant naturally, kind of rolling the dice, and then testing the fetus during the pregnancy. So, as early as 11 weeks in a pregnancy, you can test the baby to see whether or not it's affected with the condition. If it's not affected, that's wonderful news, and we're done for this pregnancy. We don't have to think about it again. But if it is affected, then, you know, the couple would need to decide about how to proceed with the pregnancy, whether or not they want to continue the pregnancy, or they might want to terminate it, depending on so many different things.
0: With the direction of, uh, obviously, professionals and those who are observant with um, a a rabbi who's competent in this field, which we discussed earlier.
1: Exactly. So that's why you see that, that you know, there are a lot of halakhic things that come sounds, along. Sounds complicated. Yeah, it's very, very complicated. And that's why, to answer the question from before, a lot of rabbis would prefer that couple The first death, option. Yeah, because then we're not dealing with that whole world of pregnancy termination. So, by the way, I should also mention that there are circumstances where it's, rabbis do give up soft that it's okay to terminate a pregnancy. So it's not, it's never- Nobody should ever think that it's never okay. There are definitely times where a rabbi will give a header for it, so right. Don't automatically think it's not okay But yeah. in a situation like this where we know in advance that a couple is at high risk to have a baby with one of these conditions Probably the most preferred method would be to do that IVF route um, and figuring it all out before pregnancy so um, by the way, going through IVF is, is a big deal. Um, yes. It's a big deal financially, emotionally, physically. Um, it, it is a big deal. But at the same time, it's an absolutely amazing option for carrier couples. And this option just right. 20 years ago. You know, So that's why we're no longer recommending that couples break up. We say, here are your options. Take it or leave it. Pick the one that makes the most sense for you. So again, there are options for carrier couples. And You just got to listen and, you know, hear us out so that you can understand what the options are and then make decisions for yourselves uh, that that work for you.
0: Right. I think based on the availability and based on how much technology and science has advanced um, that we're ethically obligated to do um, this type of testing, that's a great point that you make, Barry. Yeah. So there's actually, there was a tshuva by Rev Moshe.
1: Um, when TASEX testing started, like, in the 80s or in the 70s, somebody asked him, like, are we obligated to do this testing? Exactly what you just said. And his answer I loved because he basically said, not getting tested is like crossing the street with your eyes closed. Whoa. Yeah. Rev Moshe Feinstein. Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein. It's in the Igris Moshe. That's what he said. Okay. Like, to me, like, that, is, like – that was said so many years ago, but it still applies. It, it applies so much more even now where we have IVF and we have all these amazing technologies that didn't exist back then. So, like to me, I, I kind of think that it's part of our, like, obligation as a Jewish person to, to do this. Um, it says, I think in Devarim somewhere, it says o which basically yeah. means you should take care of your health. So. You can apply that to many different parts of your health. It could be your physical health, your mental health, whatever it is. So for me, I like to apply it to genetics. Like to me, it's it's a mitzvah in the Torah to safeguard our health and the health of our kids. And one way of doing that is to do the best we can and to use all of the technologies or all of the testing that's available to to try to ensure what we can whatever we can ensure. Obviously, we don't have control over everything, but when something's out there and available to us, I think that it's our responsibility and it's are
0: fulfilling that mitzvah by, by doing this testing. Um, My mind is still pretty blown by the concept of you not breaking up couples because they're both carriers. Because yeah. that in my head, like, I always thought, like, oh, you're both carriers. Like, you can't, like, stop dating or just, just, just go away, you know? And some like, people do
1: that. Very. Some people do that, and that's okay. Like, right. that's fine. That's one of the options that we talk about. Right. In communities, it's much more common to do that. You know, when you're dealing with – um, a community where people date and get married or get engaged after two or three dates, for them, like finding out oh, that they're yeah. a carrier couple, it doesn't impact them as much. They're not deeply in love with somebody. You know, like they're not, they don't have that kind of relationship with each other at that point yet, that it really is devastating to them if they find out that they're a carrier couple. Right. So, um, right. it just makes more sense for them to break up and not have to deal with IVF and not have to right. deal with all those other options. So right. in a community like that, I'm not opposed to them breaking up. Like I think that that might work for them, you know? So that's why I'm very into every couple is different and unique and they need to pick the option that makes the most sense for them. So yes, some people should break up,
0: but not everybody should. Yeah. I remember, um, I went to seminary in 2010 and my roommate, um, and I were talking about it and like, she was very seriously dating someone and then they decided to, um, test But they were like, but we're going to get engaged anyway. Um, So that's why in my head, I was thinking like, oh, then like, what happens if they are carriers? Like, are they going to break up? Are they going to get married and just be anxious? So that's why I thought that there was like no other option. So I'm so glad that I had um, the honor and the opportunity to interview you and discuss this because I think this is something so important for people to know, especially people who are already in a committed relationship for a long time or people who are already engaged and are on, on the road to get married or people who are married, but have not started family planning yet. Um, I think it's a very important and very reassuring that it's like, listen, the knowledge is power here. Like you can save your, like save yourself from a lot of challenges. And there are ways, there are ways to still have children and still bring healthy, beautiful children into the world. And like you said, like Broposha says, like do it. Yeah, just one thing
1: I wanted to add. So, thank you for putting that all together and summarizing it so nicely. Um, one other component to add to that is also couples who are continuing to add to their family. So, it's not only for people before a first pregnancy. True. It also applies to people who already have kids and they're adding to their family. So, you mentioned that you know you were thinking about this in 2010. The genetic testing panels have expanded so much since 2010 and they're gonna to continue to get more and more. That's just where the world is moving is more is better. So even though a couple might have gotten tested before they got engaged or before they had their first child, by the time they have their second or third child, the advances in technology might be better and more diseases might be on the testing panel. So I always recommend that people continue to remember about genetics so don't forget about us um, and if there are more updated or expanded testing panels out there, do them. Even if you're already married, even if you already have healthy children, have the most up-to- date testing that's available because I always tell people you 're a carrier for something, whether you know it or not. Nothing is changing either you're a carrier or you're not and I think it's best to have the most information that's possible to know at that point in time. So you are always a Taex carrier, but it might not have been picked up the first time you were tested because we didn't test for tasex that's a bad example because we've always been testing for Taex, but some of the newer diseases you've always been a carrier for that new disease, but we didn't know because you weren't tested for it the first time around so I always always implore people to not take their original testing results as the be-all end-all and to
0: update testing between pregnancies okay wow okay i got a lot of knowledge in there and yeah we have a lot of patients who end up coming back
1: to be retested and they're finding new things the second time around so it could be eye-opening you know i actually recently had a couple who they were a carrier couple for something and this was their third time getting tested so this was they were planning for their third pregnancy and they were just lucky the first two times around, and it never affected their other two kids. But, like, it was very jarring for them, you know, to know right. that it's always there, like, lurking in the background, and it never affected them, so they never knew about it. And now that they know, like, they're really seriously considering it. And they were so grateful and so, you know, that they were so lucky the first two times around.
0: So they were always a carrier couple. They just didn't know it. Wow. Okay, well, Estee, thank you so much for all of this New information uh, for me, and I'm sure for many of my listeners, um, um, if people want to hear more of you, see more of you, learn more about genetic testing and um, reproductive genetics and such, um, where can they look? How can they find it? So our
1: website is JScreen.org. So we have a lot of information on our website. One can also order a testing kit, which we haven't gotten to yet. So it'll allow me to just quickly uh, explain what JScreen does. I'll do that in a moment. And we're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Um, We have some funny, cute content. so it's not always super serious. Uh, We're gonna try to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, So definitely find us on social media. Um, Can I just quickly say what we do at JScreen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so JScreen um, is an interesting model for testing because everything is saliva based. So you have the same DNA in your blood that you have in your saliva. So By providing a saliva sample where you spit into a tube, you're, you're going to get the same results as if you did a blood test. So um, JScreen made the whole testing process very easy and accessible by providing saliva testing. So you go to the website, you register for your test, um, you pay the program fee, which is $149 Um, And a few days later, you'll get a saliva kit sent to your home. You spit into the tube and you send it back to the lab. We have a prepaid mailer, so everything goes back to the lab. And then when your results are ready, we'll notify you and you'll have a conversation with a genetic counselor to review the results. So everything is done at home. You do not need to get off your couch to do the test. Um, It's very convenient. I think it's very affordable. Um, It's the best test out there for people who have Jewish ancestry. Um, and everything is done in a very um, professional and, you know, responsible way, so I think that the J-Screen test is a wonderful test just because of its affordability and convenience, and it's a great test, and I would recommend it to myself, to my friends, Um, and it's a great way to, to get the job done without making it too difficult on yourself.
0: Okay. And if I wanted to do this, just, you know, hypothetically, um, would I order one just for me or would I order one for me and my spouse? It would be two separate orders. So you would each get your I own, would recommend both of us ordering and then comparing. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Compared. So yeah, good question. So some people decide that
1: they want to get tested simultaneously just to avoid like delays in results. So it's easier. Yeah. To- at the same time some people will say let me just test one person first then if I'm positive then I'll test the second person could try to save 150 dollars that way just in case you test negative Um, but like I said before most people end up testing positive for at least one thing so in most cases we do recommend that the partner gets tested Um, so if time is of the essence I would say get tested at the same time if you can wait a little bit longer it can't hurt to try to start with one person and hope that person's negative and if you do it that way, by the way, I, al- I always recommend that the female goes first um, because there's one extra condition that we only test our female
0: patients for. So if you're not going to get tested at the same time, the girl should always go first. Okay. Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Esti. I got a lot to think about. Um, yeah. uh, thank you for imparting all your information on us. Thank you for having me. And thank you for helping me spread the word. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Woman of Valor podcast. Make sure to subscribe at thewblife.com as well as on your favorite podcast listening app. Follow us on Instagram at Woman of Valor Podcast.